Hello and welcome to episode 19 of Knack at Home. Uh, apologies for the extra loud noise, but I cannot do this with the windows closed anymore. It is too, too hot. Uh, so you might hear a bit of rolling thunder, you might hear some lorries, it's a very busy road. But you know, it happens. So today's guest is Phil Rose, well known on the local jazz scene for being a key member of organisations like Birmingham Jazz and Jazz West Midlands. In the absence of live jazz across our region, Jazz West Midlands have commissioned a number of performances for everyone to enjoy online. Here to tell us more about the digital programme and what we have to look forward to and how we can get involved and support the project is Phil Rose. Where did the inspiration to create digital content come from? Um, the inspiration came from the lockdown. You know, we had no uh, live performances of anything. Yeah. Um, on the one hand, and also, you know, lots of these musicians all over the UK and some of them in Europe and the US, you know, are friends of mine. Yeah. And they've suddenly lost everything. And uh, I think people like us want to try to make a contribution, at least to give them something, because most of them are self-employed so that was the one part of the inspiration the second part is the arts council itself gave you know they closed all their existing program funding programs and this covid uh, special uh, fund which i bid for to uh, to create some digital content and also to purchase the equipment and the technical expertise to realize it so yeah. that's where the inspiration came from who who's been in the online program so far uh, well, we've had quite a we've had quite a few. We uh, we started off with um, a, an old friend of mine who used to be in a, uh, a band led by Andy Hamilton, the late Andy Hamilton, which lots of jazz fans across the Midlands will will know, and uh, you know, sort of godfather of Birmingham jazz, not Birmingham jazz organisation, but jazz in Birmingham. Yeah. Um, um, and, and that was a, a sort of a guitarist called Ralph De Cambrai, and. Uh, a couple of other guys. They were very early on in the um, uh, in the program. We've also had uh, so. Well, what I've tried to do is to mix it between uh, local, uh, regional uh, players and some national um, or international stars. So we had big stars like Alan Barnes and Tina May. They did an early set. Um, a London pianist called Bruno Heinen. One of the country's leading guitarists called Ant Law. Mixed in with uh, local tri- trio, uh, duo, sorry, Andy Woodhead and his partner, um, and a, a wonderful pianist from Solihull called Elliot Sampson, and so on. So we've had all those, uh, you know, a different mix of uh, national and international. That's, that's really commendable, to be fair, that you've got such, such a such a great mix of talent on show. Um, I, I want to play uh, a track from maybe one of your highlights, if that's possible. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about it? Yes. Well, one of my um, one of my friends for a long time uh, is a drummer called Paul Clarvis, who, who lives in London, in, in my eyes. He's, he's noted for being Leonard Bernstein's favourite drummer, would you believe? Oh, wow. And uh, he, he and the pianist that did this set with us did a wonderful West Side Story medley, would you believe? Hmm. Uh, anyway, I had a chat with Paul Clarvis, and he and Liam Noble, the pianist, and uh, a wonderful Irish singer called Cathy Jordan put together a, quite a long piece, actually, more than we wanted, 43 tunes. And it's just the most captivating thing I've seen online for, for a long, long time. And if um, if I could pick out one of the, the many beautiful songs, um, 
would be one called Paris, uh, which is reasonably well known by an American uh, composer, late American composer, called Moondark. I don't know whether you've ever heard of Moondark. A concert uh, I have myself, but maybe some of our <laughs> listeners have. <laughs> well, uh, he, was, he was famous for many things. He used to, Moondark used to uh, live and walk around New York streets dressed as a, a Viking. <laughs> and he used to go down. He used to go down to the docks when the QE2 was docking, and hooting its horns. And he used to say, "I used to, he used to do a duet with the QE2 <laughs> as it came into dock." But anyway, he wrote a wonderful tune called Parry. Um, so if you could play uh, Parry by Moondog, performed by Paul Clarvis, Liam Noble, and Kathy Jordan, uh, the listeners will be absolutely captivated, like I was. Well, here it is. So who's next up on the bill? Well, the next—I can tell you about the next two artists was actually confirmed. Uh, the first is uh, a duet uh, by a saxophonist and another drummer called Mark Lockhart, uh, again uh, a Londoner, um, who's uh, recorded a duet uh, with a Scottish drummer called uh, Corrie Dick. Um, I like Corrie a lot because I, my wife and I go to the Isle of Arran for our holidays, and there's a village on there called Corrie. And I said to Corrie <laughs> once, I said, the only name, the only time I've ever seen the name Corrie is uh, on an island in the, uh, on the west coast of Scotland. Oh, yes, they named me after that village. <laughs> no way. <laughs> anyway, so there's this wonderful, um, they've done a wonderful video uh, with somebody doing some cinematography uh, on it for, for your listeners to look at. Yeah. Um, in a place called the Oust uh, uh, Warehouse. 
that's coming up next and followed up by uh, a piece that will be recorded in Ireland. Uh, two of the um, two of my longest favourite uh, musicians is a singer called Christine Tobin, who was originally Irish, and her partner is a guitarist called Phil Robson. They moved to New York a few years back, but in fact have now come back to Ireland, um, and they're doing a, a duet piece for us. Uh, so they're, they're two really wonderful things to look forward to. How many more of these performances can we look forward to? Does it have um, does it have a planned end, or are you just kind of going with the flow of it? After the two I've told you about, I've got another eight scheduled. Fantastic. And we're also doing a crowdfunder. Hopefully, if somebody wants to listen, uh, you know, picks up the uh, the digital content, they'll match contribute. So we're doing a crowdfunder, and all the any extra money we raise beyond the Arts Council uh, grant will enable us to commission more. So I'm hoping that uh, we can carry on uh, well into the autumn, or at least until the money runs out. Uh, <laughs> so, so where can people find your uh, performances and 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 also the crowdfunder? Is there any specific web page to go to? It's, no, it's relatively easy. If they if they, if they just uh, um, log into jazzwestmidlands.org, um, it's fairly simple. All one word: jazzwestmidlands.org. Uh, it brings up on the website, and each of the online gigs, uh, uh, there's a little page, an open page on the ones that's there now. When they op- when they open it up, the, the gig page, if you like, has a button for them to press, which says buy tickets, but effectively it's through to the crowd for the next Right, just, okay, yeah. They could just, so it's all captured on the web page, and, and there's an individual gig. If people log, log into it, it's relatively easy from there. So um, I'd like to play a track from a future act now. Uh, is there anything that you'd prefer me to play? Anything you want to tell me about? Yeah, yeah. but part of this duo of Mark Lockhart and Corey Dick I told you about, they play a wonderful interpretation of a, a Dizzy Gillespie tune, which, again, a lot of people know, called Night in Tunisia. Uh, absolutely uh, wonderful piece. Performed as a duo. I mean, Dizzy used to perform it with a sextet, but this is a beautiful interpretation as a duo. Fantastic. And here it is.
Birmingham Jazz and Jazz West Midlands are a voluntary organisation, uh, both of them are voluntary organisations run by individuals who love jazz and supported by many jazz lovers across our nation. What do you think it is about the West Midlands in particular that creates such a strong fan base for jazz? Uh, I think there's been a lot of amateur jazz musicians around the Midlands that um sort of largely bubble under and lots of the clubs that uh, run in the West Midlands uh, are organised by amateur players themselves. I mean, they'd never venture onto the professional stage. Yeah. Um, and I also think, you know, the, the Midlanders are you know, not like others, are they? Um, and I think they like things that resonate 
within with their soul, if you like, hmm. uh, because that you know lots of Midlands, the West Midlands are, are like that, aren't they? Industrial Revolution things, they used to a beat to life somehow, if that makes sense to you. And I think once jazz captures people's um, imagination, it resonates within them, and I think that's why it was such a strong base, really, because it it's the beat of life that um, is you know, resonates across the West Midlands. Of course. That's of course. my rather philosophical statement anyway. <laughs> no, I completely agree with you. I think music uh, as a whole has such a special place in the West Midlands. Yes. And yes. Uh, yes. you can pick any genre and you'll find some hardcore fans in the Midlands. And, and... Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so... they stick with it. You know, in, in, the, in the North, you know, you've got Northern Soul, haven't you? They've got their kind of Of thing. course, I yeah. Think I, think, I, I, I think the whole music is wonderful. It's life-enhancing. Um, it's just a matter of finding the right thing, isn't it? So the music industry has recently been shook by the uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, one of the largest civil rights movements uh, that to ever have happened. Uh, how has your involved organisations responded to this? Well, I think to jazz, we, we, we've, we've profoundly found a problem with racism from the very beginning. The, the roots of jazz is in African-Americans. I mean, that's where it is. And every jazz musician um, across the UK recognises um, the, the history of black musicians coming out of America and the contribution that they're making. You know, most of us have black African-American heroes. Um, so the issue for jazz has never been there. I've never seen any manifestation uh, of, of racism at all. But we've got to play our part in uh, promoting um, uh, black lives, and particularly in a jazz sense. Yeah. And in fact, I mentioned to you Ralph de Cambrai and uh, Andy Hampton. We we actively set out, you know, with a um, a group of which all the players were are black, and about half the program are made up of, of black musicians um, and singers. The second thing I would say that what how we've responded is um um part of the the you know the arts council because they've returned they've opened up their their normal programs again is that we've uh, we've been in to undertake a project uh, that sort of interviews and profiles a number of midlands musicians hmm. uh, so we'll interview them we'll photograph them and we'll do a little recording what i mentioned uh, uh, elliot sampson earlier, wonderful musician. His family's got a, a recording studio down in Withall, you know, Withall, down sort of Hollywood, South Birmingham, Redditch Way. Yeah. Um, and we're going to, so we're going to interview, profile, photograph and record musicians, of which I think the majority of them will be black lives, yeah. black musicians. So um, I think we've got to play our part. But jazz has always been Black music, you know. Has there been any developments or news on when we can expect to see live jazz across the Midlands start again soon? If you have any kind of inkling or any <laughs> any insider knowledge? <laughs> well, well, I, I the, the 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 kind of Twitter chain that uh, I'm attached to talked about the first of October when you know live performances could could occur, but I have to say. In my conversation with other people, I had to meet with the Arts Council on, on Monday. I think most of us expect it's going to be 2021, mm. uh, Chris. Sadly, the 1st of January. I, was hope I mean, I personally think we can organise it. It is 
I mean, and, and New Hampton struggling itself to, to, to know how to reopen. Of course, yeah. Uh, but I think we, I personally think we can manage it. We can manage, we, ex- you know, we, we can expect individuals and we can organise booking systems so we can book people in sequentially and yeah. get them into a room in a safe and comfortable way. Uh, but I'm a, you know, I don't, nobody's listening to me yet. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you taking the time out to talk to us. All right, thank you. Nice to talk to you. Excellent, excellent talk there by Phil Rose. So nice to hear some great live jazz again, if not pre-recorded. So that will wrap us up for this week. Thank you so much for listening in. You can find us on iTunes and Spotify. Next week we'll have made 20 of these. Can you imagine that? 20 episodes of Knack at Home. How incredible. I'm going to pat myself on the back when I get home. Thank you very much for listening. If you stay tuned for all 20, you'll get a little special badge through the post. No, you won't. I'm lying. Goodbye, and I'll speak to you next week.